Hello and welcome to Seven Skills for the Future podcast series. I'm Emma Sue Prince and I'm joined by my producer James. Hi Emma Sue and hello everyone. So this podcast is based on the book Seven Skills for the Future and it's all about raising awareness of seven key skills. They are adaptability, empathy, integrity, critical thinking, being proactive, being optimistic and being resilient. And these skills really do help you live a happier life. We're now in series three and I've loved doing this podcast. It's been a really exciting journey so far and we've looked at several areas in this series. Why failing every day is the fast track to building resilience and I've also talked to writer and lecturer Esri Karnabach about future skills and work and last week I interviewed the amazing Julia Hobsbawm author of Fully Connected and if you didn't get a chance to listen to that episode do. She's in demand everywhere and we love to hear from you, our listeners, and you'll hear the ways you can get in touch with us at the end of the show. Okay, so on today's episode, Emma Sue, it's about fluid thinking. This is a new term to me. So when I think of fluid, you know, I think of kind of liquid movement and flexibility. You know, am I on the right track here? Yes, absolutely. Fluid thinking is the ability to be able to think creatively around an issue without necessarily relying on our previously banked knowledge and assumptions about it. So it's actually quite hard for us to do. Mm. And tapping into this particular skill and tapping into ideas uh, is a key future skill. And Pearson 2030 research shows that actually it's about the quantity of, of ideas we need to produce rather than the quality but the critical thinking skills are needed to become more fluid in our thinking and be able to test those assumptions and just get better at identifying emerging patterns and working more smartly. So in this podcast, I want to discuss the need for these skills and how you can quickly become much more creative and smarter at work. Mm, okay, so you mentioned the Pearson 2030 research there. Can you, can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so it's a really interesting piece of research. What they did was they mapped out how employment's likely to change. So what would be the key drivers for changing um, our work and the implication in terms of the skills that we would need to develop. So when I first came across 2030, I thought, oh, that's ages away. But actually, it's not. It's quite soon. (laughs) So it's all about, you know, what skills do we need to develop now in order to be ready for that workplace of 2030. It's about both in terms of what we can expect to be happening at that time, highlighting likely dynamics in the labour market and and the factors that influence that. So the, the research is coming from the perspective that when we think about future skills and jobs, we tend to think about automation and this idea that robots will take my job kind of thinking you know these kind of fears um but actually what what the research shows is that there are sectors like education healthcare, the public sector that are actually really robust um and that obviously some components will switch to automation but actually in most sectors you need quite broad-based knowledge and that 
across all sectors, it's about the interpersonal skills. So it's about those higher order cognitive skills that includes critical thinking. It includes all the interpersonal skills. Um, and it's, you know, it's your ability to be creative, to be resourceful, to be willing to learn and keep curious. And, and those are very human skills. Yeah, absolutely. So in that research, they actually have got a way that you can put in the job that you have now and your age, and it'll work out what you need in terms of skills for that job in 2030. So I thought it'd be quite fun mm. for us to try that on the show. Okay. Yeah? Yeah, okay. You willing to have Let's a go? Let's give it a go. Okay. Okay, I have the website here. Um, okay, I'm going to choose a audio engineer as my job. Mm-hmm. Seems the most appropriate choice. Okay, uh, I'll put my age in. I'm not telling you that. <laughs> okay, so it says the skills that would most prepare me for my job in 2030 are oral comprehension, service orientation, and oral expression. Mm, what do you make of that? Yeah, okay. Well, I'm guessing that for an audio engineer, that a lot of the uh, aspects of your job will be automated. So at that time, mm. but I think the uniquely human skills won't be. So you might right. you, you may disagree with some of the some of the um, the, the automated uh, areas, but uh, but 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 it's I think it's those uniquely human skills. So for me, when when I hear those, so oral comprehension for me would be about understanding fully what someone is saying rather than just the words so that's active listening skills and that's a skill you can't easily automate yeah and then you said service orientation so that i think is about being customer focused so customer facing being able to respond quickly and well to the human needs within the profession Mm. uh, the people you're dealing with and i think oral expression is about how well you articulate yourself how well you express yourself um so i I, i'm guessing that it's those those three areas are things that you definitely can't automate it says there's about a a 50 percent chance of growth Yes. Uh, by by 2030. So I could it could go either way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I'll be paying close attention to the rest of this episode so I can prepare <laughs> myself for the for the future. <laughs> <laughs> so thinking about automation, uh, Emma Sue, what are the aspects of work that uh, will be automated? Well. I was talking to one of my associates um, about this who does quite a lot of uh, work with schools about the future of work. And he does a, a kind of – he talks about the three Ds of automation. Okay. So what he says is that uh, if you think about the three Ds, so anything dull – it will be automated. So things like packing boxes or gathering data, analyzing data for, for it. so if it was healthcare, maybe analyzing data for diagnosis, um, mm. delivering food, driving, any kind of driving, factory work. So anything you might consider dull uh, yeah. will be automated. And then he talks about dangerous. So things like truck driving, construction work, uh, those things will be automated. And the third D is dirty. So agriculture, street cleaning, um, picking up rubbish, that kind of thing. This is isolating the areas of of, of the work that, that won't be outsourced, which is which are the human factors. So the distinctly unique human factors that just can't be automated or outsourced. Yeah, and I imagine for most of our listeners, it's the dull aspect that is going to uh, apply to their work. I heard someone speaking about this subject who was saying basically, 
if you think about the, the boring aspects of your job and if those are the things mm. that you're doing and you're only doing the more boring aspects, you're probably going to be replaced eventually. Mm. But mm. if you're managing to find the things that are very personal uh, and interactional, then the chances are that only some aspect of your job is going to be replaced and you'll probably be, be okay. Mm. That's a good way of thinking about it. So uh, how does this relate back to the fluency of ideas? So fluency of ideas is about being able to generate a lot of ideas really, really quickly and without relying necessarily on what you think you already know. Okay. So Mm -hmm. it's, and this is one of the key aspects of creative thinking and creative problem solving. So fluency is about, you know, the fluid the, you know, the fluid thinking aspect is about generating ideas really fast and not evaluating them immediately. That's difficult for us to do because we like to evaluate and we do it really, really fast. Um, so this is about, you know, anything, something that might seem silly at first can actually become the foundation of a really, really great idea. Yeah. So creative fluency is about withholding judgment um, because actually you can't develop really creative new ideas if you're constantly uh, or at the same time evaluating them. So we have to kind of almost split our split that part of our thinking in two because evaluating or judging is so natural to us. And actually, there's a lot of research that shows that when people are asked to produce ideas without thinking about the quality of them, they produce a lot more. And within that, there'll be something that is actually really, really good. Mm, I see. Okay. So why is fluid thinking then so important for the workplace of the future? Well, this aspect of intelligence, of our intelligence, because we all have the ability to to engage in this kind of fluid thinking, um, and it's about uh, honing that ability to solve problems and this whole thing about arguing and reasoning about things without relying on your previous existing knowledge. So when you come across an entirely new problem that can't be solved with your existing knowledge, that's fairly likely to happen because uncertainty is, is, is so strong. Things are changing all the time. So you've got to rely on your fluid intelligence to solve it. Because so much about the future and about technology is unknown, we have to strengthen this. We have to because we just cannot predict how things are going to be in the future. We might try to. There's a great TV program on the moment called, or it's just finished actually, called Years and Years. And it's just going into the future about 10 years. But the technology and the advances in that TV show are both fascinating to watch and both quite scary to watch because they're quite feasible. But they're also things that we just can't even imagine. We just can't imagine that we could have sort of digital fingertips, for example, you know. So, yeah. Mm. (laughs) Sounds like Black Mirror as well, if you've ever seen that. I haven't, no. Um, (laughs) Oh, no, that's what that's what it's all about. Um, Like the near future, near future technology. Okay, so fluid thinking is uh, very important, then we need to develop it, right? So any any suggestions for how we can go about developing this? So there basically there are five core attitudes of creative people, and these are the attitudes that we need to cultivate every day ourselves, but it's not just us. Um, schools need to do this, organisations need to do this, because, you know, if we're thinking about 2030, that's 10 years from now, right? So we've got to actually start thinking about cultivating these attitudes now. Okay, so what's the first? So the first one is self-discipline. 
So for me, um, this is linked to motivation. And this is about having really good boundaries in place for how you work and, 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 ha- and how you do things, because this can actually cultivate creativity. It may sound strange that it, that it does, but, but it actually does. And this is because we have so many distractions available to us. And without self-discipline, we just find it really, really difficult to get the important things done. And mm. so therefore, we just fill the time with mindless activities, uh, rather than turning that free time into really valuable um, creative brainstorming or just time to have ideas. So we tend to kind of, whenever we have a pocket of free time, we tend to fill it with stuff, you know, with mindless stuff, with with you know, yeah. looking at our phones and just not having really healthy boundaries around how we use our time and around uh, around technology and around distractions. So self-discipline is, is the first attitude. Uh, okay. And the second? The second. And these aren't in any particular order, by the way. It's not like, you know, self-discipline is the most important one. They're just, you know, five attitudes. Sure. But the second, you know, be, being really open to experience. So this is about curiosity kind of like allowing yourself to be curious, allowing yourself to have that mind of a child that is naturally curious. So being open to trying new things. So, you know, we know that we're not actually naturally open. So yeah. cultivating that, cultivating that openness to trying new things. We, we often say that we are open, but actually we aren't. I think we just have to become better at being curious, asking more questions, questioning our assumptions that's really important because we make them so very, very quickly. And it's a huge barrier when it comes to critical thinking and when it comes to fluid thinking. And uh, number three? Number three is risk-taking. This is actually quite closely linked with being open to experiences and being willing to make mistakes. So in episode three of these of this series, I talked about failing every day, and that's kind of linked with that. It's, it's about yeah. just being better at handling uncertainty. So if you're not prepared to be wrong you're just never going to come up with anything original. So you have to be okay with making those mistakes. We can get so anxious about failing that we hamper our, our own creativity. You know, we, we sort of dampen down our ideas before they've had a chance to even flourish just a tiny bit. So I think this really affects our ability to innovate and to be adaptable. So I think risk-taking is, is, a, is, is something we just need to nurture, nurture the risk-taking. Number four. Number four is cultivating tolerance for ambiguity. We never actually have 100% of the information about anything. And actually, tolerance for ambiguity is well-researched as being connected with creative thinking. So they refer to the pre-design phase as fuzzy because of the chaotic nature and the uncertainty that that goes around it. So critical yeah. thinkers are, are really flexible. So they, they're okay with ambiguity. They're okay with not having all the pieces of the puzzle, you know, they're okay with uncertainty. And that's really because, you know, that there isn't likely to be a definitive right or simple answer to any kind of question. And the fifth and final attitude? This one is trust and collaboration. So that's about really acknowledging the power of collaboration and that ideas um, come from a group. Uh, good ideas can come from a group. So, Again, we, we like to think we work well in groups. We like to think we're good team players, but actually we can be very quick to judge other people's contributions. Um, and this is really about valuing contributions and encouraging. So I think this is an easy one to practice simply next time you're in a, you, you know, you're working in a group or you're in a meeting, you just start valuing everyone's contributions. 
Simple as that. Now I know what I need to work on to make sure I'm not obsolete by 2030. <laughs> Let's have a little break and I'll, I'll have a think about it. Welcome back. We're going to take a question now from one of our listeners. So the question is, what is the best way of organizing time for creative thinking in a busy work environment? It's mm, a good question. Well, obviously it depends on whether you are running the business or whether you are working as part of the business. I think most of it is about ensuring that it is a key part of your day and a key part of the business itself and recognizing the value in it. So this is about carving out regular time for it and making space for this to thrive. So whether you are thinking about that as an individual, you know, making space for yourself to um, have that reflective time to make that time free in your day, or whether it's about ensuring that in the organization, you are allowing ideas to thrive, you're allowing people to put forward their ideas, and not doing so much blocking, because we do that a lot. So uh, one of the exercises we do in our workshops is a game called it's a comedy improv game called yes and and it really highlights the way that we naturally block other people's suggestions it's incredible how easily we do that acceptance of other people's ideas and i think you know supporting the idea that challenge the idea that challenge is healthy and that um it's it's where creativity can be sparked so really, it's not thinking, oh, you know, I'm too busy and, you know, can't possibly have time for creativity. You know, it's a bit sort of woolly. I think it's actually about no saying, no, actually, I need to carve time every day to have space for being creative and allowing ideas to flourish. Okay, so thank you, Emma Sue. I think that brings us to the end of today's episode. Yes, it does. Thanks for listening and I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the seven skills for the future podcast there are all sorts of things you can do to boost each of the seven skills if you want more ideas you can buy the book seven skills for the future you can also go online to our website unimenta and join as a member and you'll be able to access more resources ideas and free downloads if you have a question you want to ask on these podcasts get in touch through instagram at seven skills for the future or on Twitter and Facebook at Unimenta. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your podcast player of choice. Music